All right. Well, it's five minutes before Jack and I are supposed to speak. And obviously I'm here early because I'm here early to everything. And Jack is never early to everything, um, which is always fun. So I just started recording and now I'm recording. Now we're waiting for Jack. It's a podcast with Jack and Paul minus Jack. Although since I'm early, I guess technically he's not late yet. In a second or two, he will be late. Paging Jack. Maybe I should text him, telegram him, email him, and DM him on Twitter to see if he appears. Oh, it looks like he is connecting. Are you there? Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I am good. Let's roll the intro music. You are the first person we've had, I guess not really as a guest, because I'm just going to insert this sound clip um, during a conversation Jack and I have, but you're the, you're the first outside voice on our podcast. Ooh, cool. <laughs> Ever. I don't know if we'll do it again, um, so no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to talk to you because you had a pretty good tweet that I guess went viral, as the kids would say, about enterprise sales, about how some companies... Um, or I guess for the most part, but for, for us at least, most companies just say, okay, yeah, we want to use Fathom. We're going to pay for Fathom. We're going to go through the onboarding that's all automated and just use it. And then some companies are like, we like your product. We want to use it. Now let's have a call and sign a few documents and then have another call. And so it, it seems like something that you have had to deal with as well. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, th- in my like... It's it's a particular challenge because like I'm a programmer by training and so the like the nerd in me is like yes but this whole enterprise thing is very inefficient like don't you realize <laughs> that we could just you could just go use a credit card and you don't even have to talk to me but that's just not how like bigger companies want to buy things unfortunately. Yes. So then what did you do I guess what was your decision making process for how the heck do I deal with this given that companies don't just want to pay automatically? Yeah. Well, a couple things. So first I started off kind of fighting it and trying to be like, well, so in, actually in the early days we just said no, mm. like people would be like, can we play via invoice? And we would say no. Or like, can we use a PO? And we would say no. Or they would say, um, um, can you implement this like uh, enterprise-y uh, single sign-on feature? And we were just like, nah, we're focused on the core product right now. So for a while, we just like turned these things down. Um, and then when we started feeling like we had the bandwidth to possibly tackle these things, um, we would, uh, the, the first thing I did was like tried to start naming really high numbers to make it worth it. <laughs> so fuck off numbers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I just kept for every, for every deal, I just kind of asked myself like, what number would I be like kind of grown, but it'd be okay with if they said yes. Yeah. Um, so like we didn't have published enterprise pricing. And so we would just kind of um, figure out stuff ad hoc based on honestly how annoying somebody seemed. And then I was like, oh, we can just, just like build this into the pricing where it's like, okay, if you need any documents signed by me, it's this price. And if you don't, it's this price. <laughs> um, so I tried to like price discriminate. That was kind of like that. People hated that. <laughs> they pushed back on that pretty hard. Um, so the the eventual place I settled was so this this 
we started taking these deals. We started doing them. They were non-negligible amounts of money. So it, it was, it felt silly to not do them. Um, lots of seats, lots of users. Um, and then eventually the volume got high enough that I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, and the thing I noticed was, and maybe you're experiencing the same thing. It wasn't so much that I was selling our product very often. It was just like, I was just helping project manage someone's purchasing process. Yes. A hundred percent. Like, I, I, yeah, I never was hopping on a call and be like, here's why you should buy a tuple. It was just like, they're like, fill this out, fill this out. Can you fill this out? And then you fill this out. And then I would like check in on them, on them every couple days and like make sure it kept going forward. <laughs> Or like hop on a call. Like, can you talk to our security person? Can you talk to our procurement person and whatnot? Yes. Here's a 30 page risk, risk assessment and compliance yeah. thing you have to yes. fill out. It's funny too, yes. because with these clients, I feel like, because we're, we're a really small company, it's just Jack and I, um, when we're quoting people in the hundreds or thousands of dollars, we feel like, oh my, this is shit. This is a lot of money. And in all the conversations I've had with this, these people, it started with the first three seconds being about price where they say, yeah, price is fine. Okay. Now let's talk about how we get to paying you that money that you want for yes. it. And that's the difficulty. That probably means your price might be a little bit low. <laughs> True. Right. Yeah. Like you, you might want some pushback there, but you know, that's a, that's a personal decision. <laughs> um, but yes, I think even if you're in the higher ranges, um, a lot of it is going to be about the, the rest of it, unfortunately. So the, the thing that I ended up doing as this, the deal volume got big enough was hiring someone to take care of this. So like this whole, like ah. help someone buy a thing is just like a, this is just a job that just exists. Like people have been doing sales for a long time. There's people that know how to do it. it you don't need to like invent something fancy. Um, and so now like when a lead like that comes in that wants the, you know, jump on a bunch of calls, fill out this thing, uh, evaluate this contract, I give it to the person that's doing sales for us. Gotcha. And they have enough. Now, I guess they have a kind of a bridge between, um, what the product does and then all the technical things that all these companies have questions about. When it gets overly technical, they bring in, he'll, he'll reach out to me or somebody else and like get questions clarified that way. Um, so he's like somewhat technical, um, but not a technical expert. But it turns out, like I said, like most of the time that's, that's not quite required. Mm. Um, and like, we're doing things like building up a database of like security questions, gotcha. like, and what our answers are. Um, oh, that's, that's one other thing that, that helped a lot actually in this process was, um, people would be like, can you fill out this bespoke security questionnaire? And I would send them a link to our, like a page on our site that was like all of our security details. And I would say, I've written a lot about that here. If you have any questions that aren't answered in that document, please send them over and I'll update the document. That makes a lot of sense to build it into basically a, a, a process where every, you don't have to answer any question more than once. <laughs> That's the theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It kind of works. Yeah. So like sometimes I will do that and it would just work and they would go, oh yeah, this, this, this should be fine. I'll send this over to security folks. And sometimes it's like not worth fighting how they want, like... They just want it in the Excel spreadsheet they sent you in the format that they sent it over. And you just got to copy down your answers from somewhere else into there. Um, so sometimes it works, sometimes not. Yeah. So then how, how did you come to where it is now with, with Tuple, where it's, I guess, $600 a user per year, minimum 20 users? Was that just trying out a bunch of similar iterations with these types of customers? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep, just kept trying different things and different price points. And I mean, that $600 is new. Uh, it was $400 maybe a month ago or something. Uh, we're trying out a new price point, see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, we had the sort of sim the same thing as you, where like there was not a lot of pushback on price. And we're like, it seems like this is probably soft if there's 
this much room in it that no one's complaining. True. So yeah, and like, who knows? That might be too high. It might be too low. We might might drop the minimum. Might change the price. I think it's worth like experimenting with this a lot based on the kind of the feedback you're getting from people. For sure. So now then, is there anything that would be a non-starter or a hard no in terms of um, requests from enterprise customers? You know, we struggle with this because sometimes the request comes behind, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars (laughs) of potential revenue. And so it's like, okay, we don't want to do this. But like, if we do this for this company in the Fortune 100, um, they're going to pay us, you know, this many hundreds of thousands of dollars, we think. Uh, maybe we should just do this. And so we we try to say no to the real outlier stuff. But when it's something that other customers potentially want, um, we are much more likely to say yes to it. Particularly if it's something like, okay, we suspect this improves our enterprise offering for all of our enterprise customers. That's a much more easy thing to say yes to, right? Yeah. And that, that makes sense where it is, if it benefits more than just that one company moving forward, I think that makes, right. and that's kind of the, that's kind of where we've come to as well with, okay, what, what are we going to say yes to? And it has to be, it has to be something where it's not just one person or one or two people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a great example where recently this giant company, um, asked us for sort of a, a handful of things and one of them so like tuple is an app for doing remote pair programming so it's like one of its core features is that you can control the remote machine and one of the features was like we want the ability to disable the remote control <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like no there's we're not going to write a thing that like undoes the core part of our app for you like you are buying the wrong app if that's what you want that would be like somebody asking fathom to track individuals like we love your software. We just want you to take out the main thing that it does. Right. Or disable tracking. <laughs> like how do I turn off tracking? Like, uh, you, you can't turn off tracking. That's not, that's not how it works. <laughs> exactly. Tracking and tracking software is, is yeah. fundamental. So, so yeah. So every so often we get things that are just hard nose. And it's interesting because um, I think the tendency, the very natural human tendency is like when someone, um, you want to get the deal done, right? You want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want it to happen and you want to please them and make something work. And so it's natural to want to say yes, I think. Uh, but a lot of the times the requests are actually kind of optional. Like sometimes it turns out if they ask for four things and you say no to two of them and maybe to one and then yes to another one, that actually might be enough. So we try to just be honest and open and say like, look, we can't really do this right now because we don't have the bandwidth or like we think this doesn't make sense based on our roadmap. And and sometimes it turns out they're just like a wish list and not like a, a set of hard requirements. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. We've had a couple customers who have said, well, here's a, we've got um, text files. We've got text files of, of demands or I guess requests, not demands. <laughs> <laughs> ransom yes from people um and we've just basically yeah same thing we go through it and say like we this is possible this is never going to be a feature this is something that could be on the roadmap but isn't yet this is something actively on the roadmap and working on but we do not have an eta so i don't want to promise anybody an eta on any new feature because they take as long as they take for us to get them right and the features that we have now are the ones that we support and if you're okay with those, then perfect. If you're okay with getting more in the future, then that's great. If you're relying on those ones in the future, that could be problematic because we just don't know. It just, it, you know, it just takes a long time to build things. And it's not just a matter of building it. It's a matter of building it, figuring out how to support it, how to market it, how to make it as good and as easy as possible. And so there's, there's just a lot of complexity there. <laughs> 
Yep. Absolutely. Cool. I, yeah. So, so how, how's business? Are you closing lots of these enterprise deals now? Um, they, it's growing in frequency, uh, to be mm-hmm. honest, which mm-hmm. has been both interesting and because it is just Jack and I. And so there are, it, it is a time consuming thing where one of us has to stop uh, development or design to deal with it. And I mean, even yeah, I was telling you on Twitter yesterday, Jack and I tuple to fill in a risk assessment form because I only knew the answers to half the questions. He only knew the answers to half the questions. So it it required both founders to spend an entire hour filling in a document And so I think uh, the point that you made about documenting that outside of that single document to be used in the future is a brilliant idea. And I'm going to do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) right after. And sometimes if you throw that in a public page, that might just be enough. You might be able to skip the assessment and have them just read it and say, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. And and that's been a a few times where people have asked us to to fill something in. And I've just said like, hey, have you seen this? Everybody's not going to click every page on your website. Like you can't expect that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we've just been sending people the specific pages um for those things and sometimes sometimes that's enough there's just this like subset of companies that want and need like personal attention in order to do a thing with you because of what their purchasing process has to look like by their own internal policies and those companies are just way less price sensitive on average yeah so they basically like are going to raise their hand and be like i want the white glove treatment and also the price can be 10x higher and i don't care yeah and so if you just give them white, the white glove cre- treatment, but leave out the, the other, the fun part, like that's not, not, not ideal. <laughs> I think the, o- the only thing that I, that we've kind of been worrying about is we don't want to be a services company. So we don't want to mm-hmm. do things for, we want people to either want or not want our, our software. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and stay in the lane of product. But there have been a few instances. I know, but obviously, I guess on the other side, we do listen to customers regardless of size. If they have a feature suggestion, that's fucking awesome. It's like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's going right. in there. But with enterprise, some of the requests are, feel like they're asking us to build them software. And I don't want to get into, into that realm because I feel like that takes us away from product and turns us into like bespoke service. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think that filter that we talked about earlier of just like, could you see other people using this? Like, does this strengthen the offering as a whole is is worth applying? Yeah. And like, we've we've taken enterprise stuff more seriously with time. And so um, we've implemented features that they want. Um, We've done things that they want. Like we got a, we just finished getting um, a penetration test from like an outside security vendor. And that was a thing that we probably would have done anyway. Yeah. But it got so much, it was requested so much more from like our larger customers that it, it it was, it helped push us along to like doing that sooner rather than later. So like we're sort of steadily building out uh, our enterpriseiness, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, our, our sort of battle hardened, ready for the big time kind of aspects of our product and company. And I think honestly, it's, it's strengthened us overall. Nice. Is there anything else I guess that you would add that I didn't ask about how smaller companies can think about or deal with, uh, the red tape of, of enterprise sales? Yeah. I mean, so like I said, in in the early days, sometimes I would just say no to people and it would just be okay. 
like the, they would be like, can you fill out this thing? And I'd be like, sorry, like we're super heads down. There's just three of us founders. We're not a big company. Like they would say like, can you connect me to your procurement person or you're like, whatever. And I'd be like, this is it. Um, and so sometimes like people were people and had some flexibility. And so like they would try to send you down the default path, which is, you know, checking all the boxes and was typically quite onerous uh, on our side. But sometimes I would just say, look, I, this is the situation. I can't really do it. We're too slammed, blah, blah, blah. And they would go, okay, let me see. And they would come back to me a day or two later and say, okay, that's fine. If you can just do this one thing, it's, it's all right. So I think a lot of the times just kind of pushing back while being sort of honest and transparent can, can help there. Nice. Yeah. And, and again, I don't, I, if you can get, if it gets to the point where this is happening a lot, having someone that has done this before and has experience and like being able to like offload that from you is probably the way to go in the longer term. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Like, I just kept like, so there were so many parts of the sales process where I was like, I'm adding almost no value here. Like anybody could do, be doing the part that I'm doing right now. <laughs> but then there's a bunch of stuff in the business that there's lots of people cannot do that I should be doing. Uh, so it, it was like, I, I'm, I don't want to spend my time on the stuff that other people could do better than I can. Yeah, which is fair and reasonable. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. This is um, the, the first guest-ish type thing that we've had for Above Board. So I appreciate you mm. taking the time to chat. My pleasure. It was fun. So that was Ben and I talking. Now let's get into the usual scheduled programming, which is Jack and I talking. And let's start by discussing how, I guess, Ben prices for enterprise and what our thoughts are about that. And the focus of this episode is going to be, were we wrong about enterprise? Because for those of you that don't know, um, I started this whole thing with should we just focus on small customers? And I, Paul, I mean, you pretty much agree. So it isn't just me saying, you know, screw enterprise. It wasn't it's mostly you, but it's partially me. Yes. Yeah. yeah you, you, you topped it up. Exactly. <laughs> but the whole thing we did was we said, okay, well, we haven't got enterprise customers. Why don't we just focus our pricing on these small customers? Someone who's moving from 100,000 to 200,000. They shouldn't have to pay a ton of money more because we then price them out. And enterprise is just not our focus. Well, it turns out we could have been wrong about that because the the big enterprises are lining up, shall we say. And we're canceling all the under 10,000 plans <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about uh, it. Most of our customers are small businesses, though. We're so- Fathom is a small business. And so I think... Everything that we're going to talk about today is not, we don't want to alienate, like those are still our bread and butter. Yes. Like our, our, our clients who are, or sorry, our customers who are in the under 100K plan, that the majority of our customers are that. The majority of our customers are small businesses like ours that have that amount of traffic and we're happy. That's, that's the market that we chose. <laughs> that's the market we like. And it's the one that's working really well as well. You know. Yeah. So before we get onto the, the points we want to speak about, what do you think, listening in hindsight to your conversation with Ben, what do you think about everything he said? I think Ben's pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> about a lot of things um, for enterprise. Because I think he went through this probably uh, several months before we started to deal with it. So that's why I wanted to talk to him because he had that insight of. Oh, okay. I have been dealing with enterprise sales um, on a daily basis uh, with his app for, for quite some time. So I think it was really interesting. Um, and I think the, the, the points that he brought up were, were really good where 
It's almost not, and he what whatever his pricing is on his website, it and it's changed a few times. It could change again, but I think it's six hundred dollars per user per year, minimum twenty users. So that's what twelve k a year for enterprise. And what he kind of came to the conclusion of, and what we're kind of coming to the conclusion of, is that the price point doesn't matter because the types of businesses that want those things that's not a bit like that's a huge sum for us if fathom had a twelve thousand dollar expense that's a big expense yeah if a fortune 100 company has a twelve thousand dollar expense that's petty cash that's just the way that it goes so the money thing is kind of just an aside and even with the people that we spoke to um that want this kind of enterprise level um even in conversation i had last week the guy was like yeah the pricing whatever that's fine we're good on that now let's talk about (laughs) all of these other things so i think the thing that you and i've been grappling with uh privately and which we're now talking about publicly is that we don't want to be a service business we like being Mm -hmm. in the business of offering the same product to everyone and so that's where I, we don't really want to stray from that, but we do want to find a way to, if a, a big customer wants us to review some legal documents or wants us to sign something or wants to pay via PO um, or wire transfer, then it seems like something that we can offer, even though we said we weren't going to do that. Just a different way of selling it. So the product wouldn't change, but the way we sell it would, or the product, we yeah. would introduce an additional product so that our bread and butter aren't affected was what we spoke about. Now, when I first listened to your conversation with Ben, my my gut, my, my instant response was, oh no, we don't want to hire anyone. But then a few days later, I said to you, well, we probably would. If the enterprise business was so substantial that hiring someone would be, you know, less than 10% of what we could make from enterprise sales, we would, we'd hire. I mean, we, we would be stupid not to. Notice the percentage that I was talking there. If it was that substantial. I mean, how do you feel about that? I threw out a percent. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't really, like, I don't really want to hire a person. I think having somebody on contract would be good just like for for a lot of the stuff we don't want to grow fathom into this massive business that we have to manage employees for but if there's some places where we could use help of a freelancer or uh, like a business development consultant for a little while um, then that kind of makes sense at least for now and we would have to obviously if that turned into like 40 hours a week for a year then that seems more like we should have an employee for that than a than a consultant for that but in the beginning, yeah. I mean, right now we can handle the volume yeah. of enterprise um, people contacting us. And it does it does eat into our time for development and design and marketing and that. But not a, not a substantial amount. Not to a place where everything is halted. And if that were the case, I would be less wanting to do enterprise stuff because we want to keep serving the customers that we currently have. I care more about the customers we have than the people who could potentially sign on at some point if we did X. I think that's where a lot of businesses fail or go wrong is they stop considering the people who are already paying them. And I never want to do that. The most important people to fathom are the ones who are giving us money, even if it's a $14 plan, because that's, as we said, that's our most popular plan. That's what the majority of our customers are on that plan. Yeah, absolutely. Now, ent- enterprise is interesting too because we're not just talking about big companies; we're also talking about the thought leaders. And obviously, we can't say who we're talking with at the moment, but these are huge companies that everyone's heard of. And if they were using Fathom, 
and as we spoke about earlier today, it's not just the, um, okay, this is a testimonial. It's also the, that the customers of these people are also getting the privacy benefit. You made this comment earlier and that's huge. That's a, a vision piece of Fathom, right? That's the bit away yeah. from the business. It's the ethics. Yeah. Of if it, it impacts, if, if some, if a business that's huge decides to move towards a more privacy focused mandate and that impacts millions of their customers, that's a win for the internet. Like as far as I'm concerned, yeah. that's a win for the internet. And so that to me makes it, okay, maybe we were wrong about enterprise and maybe our focus is on small businesses, but we don't discourage against enterprise sales. Oh, and I, I like think that. that's where we're at. That's yeah. diplomatic. We weren't wrong about enterprise because our focus is still on the small businesses. Good. Okay. Change the title of the episode. We were not wrong about <laughs> enterprise. Done. I like that. That's safe never face. wrong. Never wrong. No. Just, as long as we can logic it out, we are never wrong. <laughs> But we definitely underestimated. Oh, there we go. We underestimated enterprise uh, and how, sure. how much impacting and how interested they are. Like, dude, they're unexpectedly really interested, but it makes sense. No cookie notices, uh, privacy focused. Who, who wouldn't want that? Especially with all this GDPR stuff that's going on and e-privacy and all these different countries. Yeah. Who wouldn't I want think- that? What's interesting is, do you remember in the beginning, we had one or two massive clients who were like, yeah, we want to use Fathom. Here's a text file of all of the things we need Fathom to do before we can use it. And that to me, that put me off because I didn't want to build our software for enterprise clients because then it's not simple. The amount of features that they required would make Fathom not a simple analytics product. It would just make it an analytics product like a, like Google's um, analytics product, but with a different brand on it, with our brand on it, which that wasn't appealing to me at all, which was interesting because in the beginning, those were the requests from enterprise. Now the requests from enterprise are, we like Fathom, we want to use it as is, we just want you to follow the, the way that we onboard vendors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is which I like because yeah. it's not them wanting us to change our product for them. It's they want to use our product. We just have to fall into their vendor onboarding system. The text file one, I remember that. So we had an enterprise customer yeah. come and they wanted all these new features. And that immediately, this was early days, and we had a really sour taste in our mouth after that. Now, the company that Paul is talking about here is was actually one of the biggest companies in the world, I believe. And since that email some of their subsidiary companies have actually signed up for accounts with us. So <laughs> it's funny how all of this works out, really. And we've had the person that emailed us has on multiple occasions come back. And I don't know if he's trialed or what, but yeah, this was a big stakeholder. I've got to be vague. We can't obviously say, but it was a huge company. And it was, I remember we were pretty shocked, especially in the early days when we had a lot less customers. So that that gave us a sour taste in our mouth. But now we're getting people that want to use the product as is. They just want to buy it differently. Uh, We're more open to that, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of Ben's um, most popular, the, the tweet that I referenced at the beginning was, big company, we want to buy your thing. Me, great, here's a link. Big company, no, we want to buy it differently. Uh, a big company, slower, more complicated, me. Are you sure you can't just big company? No, we need you to fill in these PDFs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, that to me sums up, and I think that's why that that tweet went viral, because I think that sums up, uh, I think, a lot of people's um, experience with enterprise is like, 
Look, if you want to use Fathom, you go on there, you put in your credit card and details, you get a free trial, and you're using Fathom. It's It yeah. literally takes about a minute, less than a minute if you have like a password filler for with your credit card stuff in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but these big companies, they can't do it. Not, they can't do it that way. Not, and I think not because they don't want to, just because they have so many people and so many roles and so many things delegated where it has to go through. Yeah. Compliance and different stakeholders. And like you and I, I was joking with Ben that we used his software before I hopped on a call with him, not to pair program, but to pair fill in a risk assessment document, (laughs) (laughs) which he thought was funny. I think it's funny too, but I couldn't fill that out by myself. You couldn't fill that out by yourself. We needed both of our knowledge on it to fill it out. And that took time. That didn't take a lot of time, but it still took some time. So I think us having a pricing plan that reflects that where it's a hundred percent an optional pricing plan where it, you don't have to pay for enterprise, but if you need things like us to go through all these compliance documents or pay via PO, or maybe some other things that we throw in there, then it is a wholly optional thing that people can do if their business requires those things. Which is great because you're not forcing anyone into it. That's the whole point. Exactly. You want these extra things? Okay, we'll charge you for that. And then we can still focus on our main thing. And now, you know the thing that always really scared me about enterprise? Um, at the moment, say we had a customer who just doesn't want to use Fathom anymore. Does that, and they, and they leave, does that impact our business significantly? Not Sorry, I was taking a drink of my smoothie, and it's the thickest smoothie in the entire world because I had to put oats in it to hit the, my macros for the oh morning. God. So as you're asking me things, I'm like, I can't swallow this thick-ass smoothie fast enough. Sorry, continue. Nobody needs to hear about my smoothie. Okay, okay. Okay, right. So someone leaves Fathom right now. They want a $14 a month plan. What does that do to our business, to our income? Nothing. It's insignificant. Ah, exactly. Because we have, yeah. I mean, obviously we, it, we wish that they wouldn't leave, but it doesn't ruin our business if one customer goes away. So I'm talking from a purely business perspective right here. Yeah. So yeah. we have enterprise. We would become reliant on that income. Think of companies that have got, say a company's got $50,000 MRR, hypothetically. Imagine if $15,000 of that comes from two companies. I mean, that's, that's not fun. That would scare me. I mean, right now we're so diversified um, that it just feels great that, that no one customer leaving or no one customer who's demanding something and doesn't get it could impact the company negatively. Um, so I think it's really good because that's the, the thing that people worry about of enterprise, myself included, is that this per, this enterprise customer is paying $15,000 a month. Therefore, they are going to be treated differently with regards to the contributions they give. And what, what I mean by that is, sorry, the features they request, not just the contributions they give. They ask for this. We're going to go, oh, well, we've got to drop everything else that impacts of other customers. We have to do this immediately because they're paying us this much money and God forbid we lose their, their business. That's something that we've never wanted to do. And that again comes back to why we d- didn't care about enterprise. And that also comes back to, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show or not, or just privately, is that we prioritize features that benefit all customers above features that benefit some customers. But how would you, and this is a serious question. So imagine hypothetically we get an enterprise customer sign on, okay? Imagine that in some, for some strange reason, they're paying us $25,000 a month, okay? How That's a lot of stats. That is a lot. <laughs> but how do we stop that from affecting how we view them amongst other customers? Do we just have to be super hard on our principles and have that 
that foundation established? Um, I think so. The answer is yes, with a caveat, and I'll talk about yes, and then I'll talk about the caveat. I think we are at a place where we have enough customers where we can see statistical relevance in feature requests, meaning that if one person asks for something and nobody else does, it's possibly something we're not going to build. But if we start to see trends in what people are asking for, given that we have a lot of customers, then we can say, okay, this seems like something that can benefit the many instead of the one, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't want enterprise, regardless of what they're paying, and we should talk about Basecamp in a minute too, how they only have one plan, but I don't want one customer to dictate our roadmap. I don't ever want that to happen. That feels like we would be getting into a service-based business instead of a product-based business. The caveat there is if, I think, a huge business sponsored the development of a feature, and I'd like to get your feedback on this as well, because I'm just kind of spitballing here. If a company sponsored the development of a feature that they wanted in Fathom, and that feature could benefit every customer in Fathom, then I might think about it. But there would have to be very specific caveats in place where we are not working for you and doing custom software development. You're basically a sponsor for the business for this thing. And we're going to build it in a way that benefits every customer, not just you. What do you think about that? As as you're speaking, the, the thing that's popping into my head, awareness is the first line of protection. The fact yes. that we're even aware that this could be a thing is going to be the thing that stops us from becoming the thing that we're fearing. But the fact that we're fearing it is a good sign. You know, the fact yeah. that we're even worried that companies do this thing. The fact that we're saying we never want to be that, that's enough to to protect us from ever becoming that company. So I do like the idea of sponsored features. If the, the caveat is this feature has to benefit other customers as well, hell yeah. You're going to pay for mm-hmm. a feature, uh, pay extra for a certain feature to prioritize it, and it's going to benefit 80% of our customers. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a win-win. Everyone's going to win. Sorry, that's a triple yeah. win. Yeah, we win, all our customers win, and the person who paid, the big business that paid for it wins. Yeah, we are guided by ethics. We are guided by a vision for For this business. This isn't just, we're not just, oh, you give us loads of money, we'll do whatever you want. We're not like that. And it's, that's where the diversity comes in. If we didn't have the diversity with customers, we wouldn't necessarily, I mean, we would because we've been like that from the start, but someone else might not. It's a very interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's just like we're not a privacy company because it's good for marketing. We're a privacy company who markets the fact that to our core, we're focused and care about privacy. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's a difference there. And I mean, like we've, we even talked about it with, with some analytics companies advertising on um, targeted platforms. And it's like, are you really a privacy company if you do that? Anyways, I digress. Basecamp only has a single plan because they didn't want to have to deal with this. So whoever you are, <laughs> however big you are, all you can do is pay them a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I like that. What do they do for what do they do for compliance? Like, did they just say no across the board? They might have been. They may have been audited for various. Um, they may have various standards that they've been audited for. So if you've got those standards, that may save you time of enterprise, and that's something that we spoke about earlier today. Um, that was a huge point that Ben made that I thought was really smart is anytime we get a request for 
um, compliance documentation that we documented on our end and can share it with every new business that comes and asks us the same question in the future. I thought that was really smart because if that saves us filling in these surveys that take an hour, then I'm all for it. Then a hundred percent like count me in for that. Yeah. Enterprise isn't bad. It's how you handle enterprise that can be bad. So it's not enterprise itself. It's just how you handle it. No, just all these new things are connecting in my head as we're talking about it as well, is that enterprise can never be bad in our business because we would never allow it. It's just as simple as that. It's not this, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you have the, your brain connects things sometimes and you just reach that moment because they ask for something. If we're not game for that, then bye-bye. No love lost. Yeah. We're already working full-time on Fad, and we've got no investors to pay back. We're just improving the product and improving privacy in the analytics space. That's our life. <laughs> Can you imagine if we had investors and they were like, oh, you turned down uh, who for no, how much money? No. Uh, yeah, this is exactly oh. it. We're in a, such That'd a sweet so spot. We can decide how we're going to handle the enterprise customers. There's no drama. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a moment of gratitude. It's uh, just fantastic, yeah. really, just speaking about I know. this. I, lo- I love our cut. We've had, even today, just with the support channel, I've been so stoked on the intelligence that our customers bring to the things that they bring up to us. Like if you bring a well-formulated argument about something that we might have disagreed with uh, like years ago on a message board or something, and you can formulate an argument that shows us why we should change our minds, then that's pretty awesome. Do you want to shout out who this was? Yeah, it was John Henshaw. Yeah, John Henshaw again and again does this. He puts together (laughs) a really well-formulated argument and we read it and go, ah, John's got a good point. Um, we're open, very open to that, basically. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing. And I think a lot of people would get tripped up by that or do get tripped up by that, especially with the business that they run where they don't want to seem like hypocrites. They don't want to say one thing and then feel like oh, there's going to be this backlash. If I change my mind or if I 180 on this, there's going to be all this backlash. For us, if we are shown that what we've disagreed with is better than what we've said we want to do, then we're going to change our minds. Oh yeah. I, th- I think that only that makes so much sense. And I mean, yeah, it gives a bit of inconsistency, but in the long term, it makes the product better. It makes the business better where if we're proven wrong, then I'm ha- I- I'm happy to be wrong. If there's a better um, solution or if there's a better thing, out there and I just I think that's a mark of of like being able to learn <laughs> as a business as a human being yeah like be, be proven wrong and change your mind we're consistently principled and open-minded we're not yeah. consistently right no one's consistently right there's not a single mm-hmm. person in the world so yeah exactly which is fine and we had a guest on the show yes we did thank yes. you Ben we appreciate you yeah thanks Ben Exactly. It was no no pressure to be the first, as I mentioned to him. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad we got uh, a little sound. I don't think we're ever going to have guests talk through things for the whole episode. But I think getting sound bites from people who have gone through something or have done something or who have expertise in a certain area to just kind of shed some light before you and I just yammer on about it, I think is kind of fun. Someone's done this before, actually. Uh, they they would get a guest, the guest would speak, and then they dissect what the guest was saying. I forget who it was though. Who was it? It's not a bad idea. It was you. We're gonna yeah. start company of one oh, podcast. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yes. 
I think that now we've opened ourselves up to getting um, just inundated with people pitching us to be guests on the show, and we're not accepting pitches. Oh, no, thank you. No, no, no. We've got some really random ones. Some really random ones, you know, saying I'm this, that, and the other. We never heard of you. You don't know us. You know, we're... (laughs) Yeah, there are plenty of people I would have on that haven't got this huge audience, but we actually know them because they've tweeted us or spoken to us. I'd have them on ahead of some random Mr. Big Shot that's... Anyway. Some thought leader. Yeah, some thought leader. Some guru. Somebody who's trying to 10x their 10x's. Oh, Grant. Yeah, we should get Grant Cardone on the podcast. Next guest is happening. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll I'll be sick for that episode. <laughs> I'll get food poisoning from from eating a turducken or something. <laughs>